but that's not really my life path to win an Oscar. You know, your mm. life path will be if it's to act, mm -hmm. I can act. You know, if yeah. I'm going to be successful, I don't know. That's life has to give that to me. But yeah. as the old man says, people who follow their life path 100%, life rewards them. Let's hope. Give up or get up. So what do you actually do? Is it hard to memorize all those lines? Do you get nervous? Can you cry on cue? The podcast for artists and dreamers. Let's talk about resilience and mental strength. I'm Bianca. Welcome to my podcast. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to my first episode of my podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm here with Sophie. Hi, Sophie. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for being here. <laughs> Great to be here. Uh, so this first episode is sort of to introduce the podcast, to tell you guys what it's about, um, where the idea originated, and to introduce myself a little bit. And Sophie is here to talk to me Um Sophie, you're, I don't know, an wait, interview. yeah, you're, <laughs> what, what's your title in this whole podcast uh, thing? You're kind of sure. the, cre the creative, uh, creative mastermind. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, no. Whoa. <laughs> I, can't, I can't steal that title from you. Uh, you're, you're, maybe like, idea maybe, giver. You, yeah. You've helped me with a lot of structuring and. I think I've been quite a soundboard. Um, yeah. You've helped me pick out the important parts of my ideas and gave me feedback and like a filterer, yeah, a creative filterer. I like <laughs> creative that. filterer. You're the creative. That's your official title now. So thanks for it. being here. <laughs> um, okay, so let me tell you, Sophie, what the podcast is about. <laughs> let me tell our viewers what the podcast is about. It's, uh, as I mentioned in an intro, the podcast for artists and dreamers. <laughs> so I'm going to be interviewing different artists, mainly, um, yeah, on their stories, on their life. And what I'm interested in is mm -hmm. resilience and mental strength, people following their path and how they just follow their dreams 100% and how they keep going when life throws in roadblocks or you yourself throw in roadblocks. I know I've had a lot. Mm. Mainly, I think I put up my own roadblocks. <laughs> We all do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, that's what I'm interested in. And um, yeah, it's going to be interviews. It's going to be stories, maybe sometimes of my own life. Yeah. So that's what what is to come in the next episodes of my podcast uh cool yeah really really do you want to uh introduce yourself sophie who are you <laughs> except for the who creative filter <laughs> um without going into existential madness yeah, on that no. question <laughs> um so i'm sophie um, I'm a friend of Bianca's. Yeah, we met in Berlin. We met in Berlin. At a film screening, as people meet. At a film screening. It was very, <laughs> it was very creative, very serendipitous. <laughs> I actually love it. Um, and then I actually, I remember, um, we didn't talk much, but we exchanged numbers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I called you, I think, three weeks after. And I was like, hey, I'm looking for an apartment. <laughs> 
exactly. <laughs> which also tells you a bit about just the, the living situation in Berlin, which is a whole yeah, other Yeah, I was like, maybe uh, I need roommates or I'm just looking for an apartment. I yeah. need to get out of my apartment. Please help. Hi, I'm Bianca, by the way. <laughs> I remember being like, wait, did I, why did I meet this girl again? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, no. So, yeah. But, um, it, yeah. It, was, it was really cool. Um, so we headed off um, pretty much immediately after that. And so... I'm currently in Berlin um, doing my like my master's studies, let's say, and I, I was here for an internship up until the beginning of the year, um, and now I'm, I'm back to being like a part-time student, and I've got a bit more time to focus on some creative projects, and one of them I thought... Yeah, be, what's the artist in you? Could be <laughs> expressing the an artist and helping, and helping Bianca with this podcast, because um, I love podcasts and I thought why not have a go at being in the production cool section. and you're gonna start your own podcast and I'm gonna start my, exactly <laughs> all to come but uh I I love food so I'll be maybe starting a food podcast soon amazing I, yeah food is art <laughs> can be art cool so to introduce this podcast Mm-hmm. I have something to read to you. <laughs> it's uh, it's a chapter from a book that I started reading this week, actually. So perfect timing. Mm-hmm. From The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Mm-hmm. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I hope so, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess some of our viewers will know. Um, no, it's, it's really right. strange because I swear this book has been following me around somehow. I kept seeing it. Like, people reading it on the street, or once I saw it on a park bench, and I remember thinking, that looks like a cool book. Uh, I've never read anything by Paolo Coelho, and I should pick Mm. it up, but I didn't because I thought it maybe belongs to somebody. And then I just walked into this bookstore a week ago, and the first thing I saw was that book, and I was like, okay, I need to get it. Yep. And I started reading it, and then I realized, yes, this was a sign, because... (laughs) The universe speaking to you. It talks about... Um, yeah it's the story of a shepherd following his life path of finding a treasure basically so it's it's all about following your dreams and finding your life path it's a bit long well not super long but but yeah it's about two pages I'm gonna read this chapter to you I'm the king of Zalem the old man said Why would a king be talking with a shepherd, the boy asked, awed and embarrassed, for several reasons, but let's say that the most important is that you have succeeded in discovering your personal legend. The boy didn't know what a person's personal legend was. It's what you have always wanted to, it's what you've always wanted to accomplish. Everyone, when they are young, knows what their personal legend is. At that point in their lives, everything is clear and everything is possible. They are not afraid to dream and to yearn for everything they would like to see happen to them in their lives. But as time passes, a mysterious force begins to convince them that it will be possible for them to realize their personal legend. None of what the old man said made much sense to the boy, but he wanted to know what the mysterious force was. The merchant's daughter would be impressed when he told her about that. It's a force that appears to be negative, but actually shows you how to realize your personal legend. It prepares your spirit and your will, because there is one great truth on this planet. 
whoever you are or whatever it is that you do, when you really want something, it's because that desire originated in the soul of the universe. It's your mission on Earth. Even when all I wanted to do is travel or marry the daughter of a textile merchant? Yes, or even search for a treasure. The soul of the world is nourished by the people's happiness and also by unhappiness, envy, and jealousy. To realize one's personal legend is a person's only obligation. All things are one. And when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. They were both silent for a time, observing the plaza and the townspeople. It was the old man who spoke first. Why do you tend a flock of sheep? Because I like to travel. The old man pointed to a baker standing on his shop window at the corner of a plaza. When he was a child, that man wanted to travel too, but he decided first to buy his bakery and, and put some money aside. When he's an old man, he's going to spend a month in Africa. He never realized that people are capable at any time in their lives of doing what they dream of. He should have decided to become a shepherd, the boy said. Well, he thought about that, the old man said. But bakers are more important people than shepherds. Bakers have homes with sh while shepherds sleep out in the open. Parents would rather see their children marry bakers than shepherds. The boy felt a pang in his heart, thinking about the merchant's daughter. There was surely a baker in her town. The old man continued. In the long run, what people think about shepherds and bakers becomes more important of them for them than their own personal legends. The old man leaved through the book and fell to reading a page he came to. The boy wanted, the boy waited, and then interrupted the old man just as he himself had been interrupted. Why are you telling me all this? Because you're trying to realize your personal legend and you are at the point where you're about to give it all up. And that's when you always appear on the scene. Not always in this way, but I always appear in one form or another. Sometimes I appear in the form of a solution or a good idea. At other times, a crucial moment. I make it easier for things to happen. There are other things I do too, but most of the time people don't realize I've done them. The old man related the week before he had been forced to appear before a miner and had taken the form of a stone. The miner had abandoned everything to go mining for emeralds. For five years he had been working a certain river and had examined hundreds of thousands of stones looking for an emerald. The miner was about to give it all up right at that point. If he were to examine just one more stone, just one more, he would find his emerald. Since the miner had sacrificed everything to his personal legend, the old man decided to become involved. He transformed himself into a stone that rolled up to the miner's foot. The miner, with all the anger and frustration of his five fruitless years, picked up the stone and threw it aside. But he had thrown it with such force that it broke the stone it fell upon, and there, embedded in the broken stone, was the most beautiful emerald in the world. People learn early in their lives what is their reason for being, said the old man with a certain bitterness. Maybe that's why they give it up so early, too, but that's the way it is. The boy reminded the old man that he had said something about hidden treasure. Treasure is uncovered by the force of flowing water, and it is buried in the same current, said the old man. If you want to learn about your own treasure, you will have to give me one-tenth of your flock. What about one-tenth of my treasure? The old man looked disappointed. If you start out by promising what you don't even have yet, you'll, you'll lose your desire to work toward getting it. The boy told him that he had already promised to give one-tenth of the treasure to the gypsy. Gypsies are experts at getting people to do that, sighed the old man. In any case, it's good that you've learned that everything in life has its price. This is what the warriors of the light try to reach, try to teach. 
The old man returned to the book to the boy. Tomorrow at the same time, bring me a tenth of your block and I will tell you how to find your treasure. Good afternoon. And he vanished around the corner of the plaza. That's... Is that the end? That's the end. Yes. That was really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Why did you choose that? Yeah, because I thought it fits really well uh, with the podcast and it really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful notion um, to follow your life path right at the moment that you have it. Mm-hmm. You know, he talks about the baker who thinks, oh, there are so many people who think, oh, I want to do this eventually in my life, travel, do this. But as the old man says, we don't realize that we can do it at any point. Uh, we can always realize it and don't have to plan to do it in the future. I mean, yeah. yes, of course, I can't win an Oscar right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But, that's, but that's not really my life path to win an Oscar. You know, your mm. life path will be, if it's to act, mm-hmm. I can act. You know, if yeah. I'm going to be successful, I don't know. That's, life has to give that to me. But yeah. as the old man says, people who follow their life path 100%, life rewards them. Let's hope. <laughs> um, no, fantastic. And... And it feeds, but it feeds quite well, I think, into, um, you know, the whole, the meaning and, you know, your vision for this podcast as well. Yeah. Since... That's what I'm interested in, talking to people who follow their life path. It's also, like, almost a privilege to have one. I mean, everyone has one, but it's nice to know what you're passionate about. Mm Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be something huge like acting or something. It can be, I'm passionate about reading books. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that can be your life path. Yeah. Something will come of it. Yeah. Um, I guess also having the courage to then pursue it, especially if it's not very conventional. Yeah. Like a, yes. Like yes. A typical that's... type of job that has structure. Yeah, not very con- exactly, not very conventional, and even if it's to not really care what other people think. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest, we all care what other people think, but to put it aside Absolutely. as much as possible, to put aside the conventional societal standards and just follow what you want to do to find out what it is that's actually in your heart. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then follow it, yeah. And exactly like we did as we were like young and didn't... Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, that's what I think. I think also that's why I want to be an actor because Mm. all you need to do in becoming an actor is learn how to be a child again. (laughs) And I I realized this because when I was young, I was at the opera a lot and people dying on stage and Mm. it it was complete reality. And it still is, like in the theater, we all accept that alternate reality and are in it. But as a child, you're so in it, that's real for you. If you see the people backstage yeah, yeah. afterwards, or the actors, like like your you're mind, mind blown. Exactly, it's just, <laughs> what? Like you're dead, you just died. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> so that's what acting for me is about, to get yeah. back into that fully being present in the, the flow, moment. basically. Yeah, <laughs> when, when, I, when we were young. No, and so you mentioned you went to the opera quite a lot. I guess that comes from when you, since you grew up in Vienna, right? Yes. 
so my grandfather was an opera singer, so I sort of uh, grew no up. No I had no idea. Yes. Uh, so I grew up in with definitely art and theater and opera. And I think actually when I was young, like kindergarten, primary school age, I wanted to be an opera singer, which was always quite funny because... Uh, everybody, all kids have big dreams. They'll say, one person will say, I'm going to be a pop singer, the other pe- person an astronaut or something. Mm. And I said, opera singer. And like the kids would look at me like, what? <laughs> Why opera singer? <laughs> like that, that was a weird thing for a little mm. kid to say. Mm-hmm. But I never actively pursued it. Okay. So it just morphed into acting eventually. The thing yeah. is with opera singing, it's one of those professions that you have to commit to when you're so young, I think. It's like becoming a ballet dancer uh, yeah, or something. Yeah, because it's also it's quite, like, I just, I see it as quite stiff. I mean, I, I've done some singing, like, lessons as well. And I remember my singing teacher being practically an opera singer and feeling as if that was just another world. Yeah, it yeah. yeah. Acting is a bit more broader, first of all, and you can right. do more things with your creativity. Mm-hmm. And I like to do a lot of different things. Opera singing, but you also need to hone your instrument since you were so your since your body you're is young. like the instrument. Yeah, you can, I can't start right. now. Like I, yeah. you know, I I think I don't know. We'd have to ask an opera singer, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's why it, then from opera singing it just morphed into acting, and it's mm-hmm. been acting. Yeah ever since I think yeah and so you decided um pretty young that your path your life path I guess yes (laughs) would be acting um and in whatever shape or form that you know expressed itself um so so where did you go from from there yeah I I I don't remember like a certain moment where I was like okay this is going to be it acting it just sort of morphed into acting and where I went from that, well, um, I just applied to acting schools, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I remember um, <laughs> I remember speaking about life path. It's funny because when you're young and you say, mm-hmm. I'm going to be an actor, you mm-hmm. think that it's going to be the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you think, I'm talented, I'm going to mm-hmm. be an actor. You have all this confidence. Mm-hmm. And then I remember that I didn't get a part in the school play Oh, no. And I was shattered. <laughs> shattered. Down. I was like, I "How imagine. did that happen?" Because yeah, yeah, that wasn't you, in your. You're path. not used to it <laughs> as a child that things are going to be thrown into your path or something. Mm. You know, now being older, you're more used to rejection and to withstand that. But I thought, what? Am I mm. not a good actress? What? Yeah, How could like, I not? Yeah. That was your first major setback, basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then I switched schools. <laughs> Oh no, <laughs> but not because of that. <laughs> I mean, it definitely was a part of it, but no, okay. not not just because of that, of course. Um, yeah. But I switched schools and I got a part in the play. <laughs> it all worked out for the better. Yeah, and I was very proud because mm-hmm. I was the only middle schooler and just high schoolers and I felt so cool. And I think if I mm-hmm. say there was one moment where I decided I'm going to mm-hmm. do this, I think it was after this play. We did wow. Every Man which is an old moral play, basically, and by yeah, German play. And I played the treasure of every man. I, I had one scene only, wow. but it was a great scene because I did a lot of, you know, I was the main 
part in yeah. that scene. So I had one Pivotal. great scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got carried out in this treasure chest and I, the and I basically jumped out of the chest, the the box yeah. with like a huge noise and like smoke coming out. <laughs> Very dramatic. And I was wearing all these gold oh. uh chains and the as corset, the treasure, obviously. yeah as the treasure yeah yeah and uh I had this monologue and this scene with with every man and it felt so great I felt mm. so in the moment mm. I felt the energy of the audience you know when you're in theater and I couldn't really see them because of all the lights but I could feel them and I could feel mm. how quiet it was and that they were all listening to me and that I I just owned yeah, wow. the room, I feel like. I, I felt like I owned the room. Um, mm-hmm. In a good sense, not no, in a, like, yes. I own the room sense. No, but, but, like, that's, but taking my moment. That's yeah. clearly, I mean, it clearly is a moment that fits for you because there are obviously certain people who would listen to the story and, like, goosebumps would erupt in their skin at the thought of, like, the spotlight on them. Or, yeah. like, you know, having to then seize the moment and, like, entertain an audience with all the eyes watched. So, like... You know, it's very clear that you you knew this was something that you wanted yeah. to do. And especially in high school, you know, when you're with all these high school kids that you mm. have, like, different relationships to, and mm-hmm. sometimes you feel like you want to be part of a cool crew, or think you feel like you don't fit in 100% or oh, something, yeah. and then you Absolutely. suddenly have this, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have this alternate reality where suddenly you're on stage and you interact with people in a different way you're in a mm. role and they look at you and it gives you a different way of interacting with people and that was really cool for me too um, and probably in also yeah. more, more confidence too definitely yeah then yeah more confidence than just being me in a high school setting maybe it's a different setting yeah mm-hmm. so so that was my moment, maybe, when I realized that I wanted to be an actor. And where I went from that, um, I just applied for acting schools mm-hmm. when I was done with high school. Mm-hmm. Initially, I was going to go to England. I knew that I didn't want to stay in Vienna, that I didn't want to do acting in Vienna, even though they right. have good schools, but nah, I wanted to go away. You wanted to initially yeah. go to like an English-speaking... Yes, English like... speaking and yeah, yeah, English speaking because I went to an English speaking high school and also just okay. just yeah, I wanted to experience something different. Yeah. I wanted to do England actually, but then uh, it ended up being New York. <laughs> so close to having my acceptance there. Oh really? <laughs> no, just my my I'm I'm from London so. Um, but New York, I mean, who can say, oh. <laughs> who can say no to New York? Yeah, yeah. that's what I meant. <laughs> We can say no to New York. Um, and it was NYU, right? That it, you got it. It was. It was NYU. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I remember I did a summer program there in New York, which was mm. the reason that I wanted to go to New York. Right. Because I had said England because it's closer to home. And honestly, my father yeah. did not want me to go to America. Um, but yeah. then I did a summer program in New York because I said, okay, I'm going to go to college in England. I'm going to do a summer program to experience it. Yeah. For one month, the summer program, mm-hmm. um, at Barnard, uh, the sister university of Columbia, and it was a musical theater program. Mm. First time singing also, really uh, <laughs> scary, yeah. um, because they didn't have an acting program. Yeah. I fell in love with New York from the first moment. Oh, it was amazing. so cool, just 
that acting program and, and the lights and Broadway and everything that I just came back and I was like, Dad, I want to go to New York. <laughs> and I think my parents just saw the excitement mm. in my eyes that I just, that they couldn't say no. Yeah. So then I reapplied, took a gap year and applied to uh, NYU and that's where I ended up going. Yeah. That's fantastic. It's so... Again, like a really good example of, um, yeah, really choosing what, you know, you know in your heart, like very cheesy, but you know. <laughs> it's going to be cheesy. Yeah, it's, it's, it. <laughs> you know you wanted to do because, yeah, I mean, I'm sure England would have also had a completely different set and probably good experience for you. But it's it's all about, it's it's never objectively what's better. It's all about what's better for you in the moment. Definitely, definitely, yeah gotta follow your heart you know <laughs> um yeah yeah but you know then you come to new york and you realize <laughs> how maybe it's it's how dirty because <laughs> a month a month is one thing but then if you're studying there for a whole four years yeah. that's probably you know, and new york is a stressful off. city a stressful city so i arrived yeah to new york how was that yeah um by myself because my mom wanted to come with me, but I was like, no, that's so uncool, mom. I need to go to by myself. Uh, and I arrived to my dorm. I had, like, my one suitcase and the hand luggage. Yeah. And I, I had a roommate that we shared a room in the dorm, and she was American. She came with literally 20 family members oh and, like, goodness. a moving truck. <laughs> and she had bought just everything. For, yeah, 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 yeah. Just everything, you know, that she bought had, like, lamps in there air vaporizer a mini fridge it was like a full on blankets like everything home to uni yeah exactly movement. so yeah. and i was just there like unpacking my suitcase i took one suitcase and, and also her parents were like her parents were there and they were like oh yeah you can take that closet right and it was just the much smaller closet <laughs> she was probably in her mind and i was like, like God. yeah no problem <laughs> Oh. So I just unpacked and then I was like, I'm going to just let you move in and go. And I had to borrow yeah. money then from my RA because my credit card... What, RA resident? Re, yeah, the RA is the resident advisor. Okay. It's a student, also an NYU student who's older, who's living in the dorm. Okay. I think for free, that's when you're an RA, but, you, mm -hmm. but you're responsible for the kids, I guess. <laughs> gotcha. So, yeah, so my card didn't work, so I didn't have money, but I needed to buy like bed sheets and a blanket to be able to sleep because they didn't provide that so it was really embarrassing I had to borrow money and then like go buy stuff by myself yeah. and that was my <laughs> New York <laughs> first day in New York um wow. and then also my dorm room mm. was literally the only room in that hall mm -hmm. that faced onto a wall and beneath like that wall, wall, yeah, was a canal. So, like, we couldn't really open the window because it stank. Mm. And no sunlight whatsoever. All the other rooms faced out to the street were nice. Like, no yeah. sunlight, tiny dorm room. I was like... That's just the cherry on top. This is <laughs> how I remember New York. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Help. <laughs> you know what? It's it's also a very... I, I kind of... Like, very how, college how experience. Also. Yeah. It was just like literally 
a slap in your face of like this is real New York with the wall. Like bitch, you thought you're gonna be on Broadway or something like here. Like, this no, is you gotta work for New it. York. <laughs> this is New York. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true that is New York. Like if anything a dorm room with no mm-hmm. light apartment with rats, that's New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but also very college um experience. My boyfriend lived right across the hall my soon-to-be boyfriend lived right across the hall from me like oh, literally right across cliche. the hall his door. Oh, it goodness. was so cliche <laughs> but also so so sweet like but how, his door was yeah. just right across mine it was yeah. crazy so shout out <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're see, listening <laughs> fate was just there yeah. we played out so yeah yeah and um, um yeah and then acting classes. So yeah, New York so started that- out as a bit of a struggle, a bit of a slap, like, here you go, this is mm. New York. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but then I started acting school and the acting really is what also gave me an anchor in New York, in this huge city where I didn't know meeting. anybody. Yeah, you, know, you were there for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And NYU in New York is so big. But then mm-hmm. acting sort of makes it small in a way because you're with the same people. Yeah. Basically seven days a week. Um, and how big till, was your was the course, like the cohort you were in? We were um, 11 people. Oh, yeah. That's... Well, not in the whole drama program. The drama yeah. program is big. But per class, we always, each semester, we switched groups. Mm-hmm. So I had 11 people in my class. Mm-hmm. And I had all the classes with them. Yeah, so you got to really, like become very close to each other obviously very close and even the thing about acting is acting classes even the people that I wasn't close close with on a personal level like that I wouldn't hang out with outside of class yeah I basically knew everything about them like their deepest darkest secrets (laughs) because we were in acting class together things come up yeah um but just it was really funny because I was used to acting in Austria and high school and it was never super cool to be to go mm-hmm. full out, you know, mm-hmm. um, like to really commit to something. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it, I, and then, yeah. yeah. No, and suddenly I, I was in acting class mm-hmm. with these mm-hmm. people who were all, some of them came from theater schools even, and who were just so committed mm. and so crazy. I remember our introduction round and people just had to say one sentence about them. Yeah. And this girl who like grew up sort of in a Broadway family almost I think like she just goes sits super straight and she just goes hi I'm Jenna and I collect playbills (laughs) 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 and it was just really funny because all these quirky acting kids what what sorry what are playbills playbills like um playbills the Broadway um leaflets that they give you yeah okay okay when you go to the theater obviously yeah ah yeah yeah she had like every like a million playbills or something um but just yeah and yeah it it was just great Mm -hmm. to to be in those acting classes I I felt like um I really committed to this profession Mm -hmm. now because Mm -hmm. I I had done like acting lessons in high school plays, but then suddenly I yeah. was be becoming a serious, serious, serious actor. Yeah. You know, this was gonna be my life, and I was like, oh my god, really? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I guess I guess you realize that you you also enjoyed doing it, and I guess when you were in New York, this global center 
for yeah. Broadway and, and acting, um, you can immediately sense like whether that's something that's for you or not. Yeah, definitely. And to be honest, though, I have to say my first year, I was... I don't want to say I enjoyed it more, but maybe I did mm. enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. Because it was all new, and mm-hmm. suddenly we did weird things, like running around like animals, rolling on the floor. I did movement pieces in front of the entire class. I was always the first to jump up, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I was so free. Mm-hmm. When I look back on it, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, oh God, Bianca, you were such a bad actress. <laughs> like if I listen, if I watch monologues that I did, I was like, oh my God, it's so overdone and so theatrical and oh. terrible, you know? <laughs> no, yeah, we're but all our worst critics, so. Yes, yeah, true, but yeah. And it shows how far you've yeah, you, you, as well. Yeah, you've definitely, yeah, but, but what I mean, even if it was bad, I right. was so free. It's right. sort of the beginner's freedom, maybe, that I would always jump up first, yeah, any chance. Right, because, like, you just, you didn't really know where the boundaries were, you were just testing yeah. everything. Yeah, and then I have to say, eventually... Mm-hmm. I got a bit annoyed with it, with which I think is normal. But annoyed with with acting uh-huh. classes and the whole. I, I I remember that at the end of the four years, I definitely was not the first to jump up anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I got annoyed because every class somebody else cried, and at some in the beginning you're like, oh, that's so cool, emotions, mm-hmm. and then you're like, guys, get it together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much at one point. She's like, I need to get away from here. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I did actually. I took a semester off where I didn't do acting classes. Um, so you managed to just study like normal. Yeah, I took a semester abroad yeah. in Italy. I just studied, did film classes more on a theoretical side, which is one cool thing about NYU that you can really pick your classes and mm-hmm. credits and stuff, mm-hmm. and you can take an academic semester. So I did that. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I guess it's always helpful to take a step back as well and to, that must have also given you more perspective sometimes like, you need a step back yeah yeah but filmmaking totally fits in with acting too yeah. so like it's very complimentary definitely it's not like you were going off to study like theoretical physics all of a sudden <laughs> i mean maybe even that can somehow probably fit perhaps, in with acting perhaps i guess acting touches <laughs> anything every, <laughs> yeah. every area you can write a play about theoretical physics then i mean Don't the theory of everything like, right uh, exactly yeah um yeah but so New York, you know, after four years, that, that must mean it becomes like a, a home, right? Like a yes, second home. Definitely was a home. Um, the thing with New York, I obviously left it. I'm not in New York anymore. <laughs> We're in Berlin right now. <laughs> yeah. So you correct. know how the story ends. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but the thing with New York, NYU, and just mm-hmm. acting schools in general is... Mm. that you do your acting school and then you're done and then you're suddenly thrown out into the world with no warning (laughs) oh yeah yeah (laughs) and you gotta just uh, do everything over again Mm. and I think that situation is extreme in New York more than other places because it's so big and even NYU is so big Mm. and it's a good university of course but they don't help you a lot 
it's sort of like New York, you know, they have all the connections, they have a great program, but you got to fight for it. Like you got to fight for getting the connections. Nobody's going to give it to you. Mm. You, you, Mm -hmm. you get to pay a lot of money, but nobody's going to give you the part in Mm. like the main Tish production. No, it's, uh, but you learn. It's fair. It's fair. Yeah. But you learn, you learn to grow up and that's how real life is. And that's how New York is, which is also kind of great about New York because, Nobody's gonna give anything to you, but you can also fight as much as you want to. Nobody really cares. Nobody's gonna judge you mm. for fighting, mm. or you know, you you learn to to really mm-hmm. fight for yourself. But mm-hmm. still, New York became way too obsessive for me in a way. I sometimes compare it to a bad relationship because I loved <laughs> it so much, but it became um, obsessive, and my passion became more of a burden almost. Because ah, I put so much mm-hmm. pressure on it. Um, and part of that is that I'm an, an international person in New York. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not American, so you need the visa. Yeah. So basically, all international students, when you start studying, are taught about the visa. Or, you know, that's always a subject that you have in your head. Because usually you study there, you want to stay there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then you need to get your visa. So I was done mm. with school and it's hard to act as an international person in New York, first mm, of all, because mm-hmm. agents are not really going to take you unless mm-hmm. you manage to somehow amaze them so much. But it's just harder for you to get work, yeah. even in theaters, even if you have a visa, only a certain amount of people with visas are allowed. Um, you see. get one, you get one year, it's called OPT, after studying to work. So then you can work and then you would have to apply for the visa. And I took that year um, right. and I did a bunch of things. Um, I did a play with two friends that we wrote and produced. I um, also wrote and produced a web series, um, acted in some plays. A lot of it is doing stuff with your friends. Um, like ma- most people, especially international people, um, do their own projects, start their own theater companies, something like that. But that's also very cool. It's very cool. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but I got overwhelmed by the business and by the pressure of it. I forgot okay. why I wanted to act, wanted to do acting. It was right. all about, I need this for my visa. I need press, blah, 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 blah. And I forgot about, oh, but I, I also need to act. I don't know. Yeah. It was all about business things and yeah. it became too much pressure when my parents would say, Hey, let's go on vacation, uh, somewhere. I'd be like, oh my right. God, no, I can't, are you joking i can't take right. a week off that's crazy i need to get my visa and what? oh my fast. god yeah <laughs> but that's not a good yeah. attitude i think mm-hmm. that it was too much and uh, just too much pressure and and everything was just building up even though i love new york so much mm-hmm. that eventually i decided even to cut my opt year short and go back to europe okay yeah okay so you ended up thinking um, you know, maybe New York will, isn't for me for now and taking a bit of time to step back. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very spontaneous decision. Right. Um, I mean, maybe I had thought about the idea before, but I had issues with my roommate, first of all. Mm-hmm. So my lease was ending. Back in New York. Back in New York. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was going to move out. Mm -hmm. So I was looking for new apartments. Um, and then I actually just decided 
to not get a new apartment when my lease ends and just to move back to Vienna. Right. And the decision was based on literally a dream. (laughs) I had a dream about my dog. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. the next Mm -hmm. day, for some reason, I was like, yes, I'm going to go back to Vienna. It's so strange. The dream was about uh, me walking and my dog being like behind me mm-hmm. and not being being able to walk anymore and me going back and like picking him up <laughs> oh and was your dog at this point like yeah elderly too yeah so yeah. well well for some reason that dream to me i mm. i for some reason it was clear the next day that i'm gonna go back to vienna and i did wow. and and yes and my dog died like a month after i came mm-hmm. back And uh, that was sort of an affirmation for me that it was the right decision. Even though, of course, I could have just gone back for two weeks or something. But I probably wouldn't have because you can't really see it coming. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think I would have... Yeah, I I don't think I would have forgiven myself even for not having seen... having um, Like being there. Yeah, for for being gone. and, Mm. And if it was for something that... If I was shooting a movie or I was in a positive place, you know, but just to be in New York and being crazy, running around, not doing, not feeling good and just clinging on to that. um, I don't know. uh, I'm looking for a word. I can't find it. Clinging on to that pressure. um, Desperation. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. And and for that not being there, I thought uh, I probably would have. Uh, yeah been very sad about that yeah and that's what I in the end thought I thought not enough things are holding me in New York Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. I can go to Europe and and act there and have it a bit easier Mm -hmm. yeah it just yeah it wasn't uh, working out for me anymore yeah but very sad then to leave New York (laughs) yeah I guess it it was. It had been like this place you'd, you'd, you know, sown roots and grown roots into for the past four years, and done um, growing up in as well. Where I grew up. I yeah. Th- that's what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had this month after I made the decision. You know, it's always easy to make an intuitive decision, um, and it feels very relieving suddenly. I was like. I made this decision. Decision. It feels great. Go. I'm gonna do it. I followed my yeah. gut feeling. But then I had a month in New York still. And then, of course, your mind starts to jump in and you start to overthink. Yeah. And was it actually the right decision? Doubting what did? Yeah. Yourself. So my wow. last month in New York, of course, was beautiful because I told all my friends I'm leaving. I did so many cool mm-hmm. things, finished up some projects, um, spent so much time with my friends. That sounds great. So, oh God, so emotional. And then when I left... Aww literally cried the entire flight cried for like about a month I think in Vienna still afterwards it sounds like it was the end it, of a relationship almost it was like it was a it, was, it, it felt exactly like a breakup exactly like a breakup and I was in Vienna and then I came you know I followed my intuition there but I came to Vienna and I actually didn't know what the fuck to do <laughs> Um, and Vienna just felt I felt like I was 16 again because suddenly I was living with my parents again being in my old room I felt Mm. like I was in high school except that I didn't even go to school so I was like what are you doing with your life and I didn't have I really I really was depressed like I didn't even have the energy to 
get up and try to form a plan or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was I was very sad. And then I thought I thought, what had I done? Thought about going back to New York. (laughs) (laughs) And I did actually for like a month to do a play. But Wow, that's great. Yeah. It was, yeah. Also, yeah. yeah. Did you do you realize at that point what was really going on? Like that this was, you know, probably a moment in time where you needed maybe a bit more space and to to figure out where you wanted to go from that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was definitely I, I probably also needed that emotional time and that time to get over my relationship. In order to very important to, to have a <laughs> sounds so dramatic <laughs> like Bianca relax okay you left New York <laughs> but it was more because I just didn't know what to do and um, no absolutely and like you'd you'd left also in a way you'd left behind you know that meaning I felt like I left of... behind my dreams you know <laughs> my friends had started a yeah. theater company and they were doing like continuing their lives in New York and I. Mm-hmm changed my life completely but without having a plan just out of gut feeling and intuition yeah a leap of faith a leap of faith but yeah but it's usually more exciting to do a leap of faith to go somewhere else like the first time I went to New York that was a leap of faith to go to New York that was great yeah but a leap of faith back to your hometown suddenly you're like oh Mm -hmm. (laughs) but what now it felt like taking a step back Mm -hmm. but I maybe needed that step back in order to move forward again because coming to Berlin, yes, I'm very happy, very yes. happy. I now suddenly know why, why, like, it feels like an affirmation of my decision, because I think it's a mm-hmm. much better place for me right now than New York, mm-hmm. even though maybe New York is, like, the first love, mm-hmm. Berlin is a healthier love. It's <laughs> not as toxic Yeah. somehow. <laughs> yes. I mean, really. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what led you, what made you decide Berlin then, out of all the, all the places? It, no, it was just the, the easiest thing to do. Um, the best mm-hmm. option. Because I didn't really want to go best. to London. That would have been another option. But mm-hmm. that, I don't know, that just feels like same thing as New York, sort of. I'm still more of a foreigner in London, be, just because English is not my first language. Even right. though it kind of, it doesn't feel um, like not my first language because mm-hmm. I think it's as good as my German, depends on the topic I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But I do have a bit of an accent. So, mm-hmm. and being new in London, the theater scene is not easy there at all without having studied there. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I couldn't stay in Vienna because I just needed a change. Mm-hmm. I needed mm-hmm. a change again, a new start. Um, I'm sure there is a good acting industry also in Vienna. And I did take some acting classes, got to know some people here and there. Mm-hmm. But I just, I'm a person that needs to be away from home, even though I love home. Oh, absolutely. I For some reason, I to be myself and to be able to really, yeah, express my creativity, I need to be away from home. My brother is not like that at all. He needs to be at home. But right, it's, right. it's different. Yeah. I mean, the old adage of, you know, leaving the nest yeah it's fitting <laughs> yeah and it makes total sense but yeah. um yeah so berlin was just the best option because it's german speaking but it's very international mm-hmm. um cool art scene uh sort of similar to new york in a way because it's very mm-hmm. international young artists 
Um, there are lots of things happening. It's a very open and free city, so I really like it. And I have both the German world here and the international work. I met mm -hmm. so and yeah, I met so many international people in yeah. Berlin too. Yeah. New Yorkers even. Yeah. Um, and it and it seems to fit as well. Like not just as you said, it's not just necessarily people in the acting industry, but you've got a lot of creatives in general in Berlin who it's it's definitely not your like fast paced corporate city. Um I mean, exactly. people are doing interesting and, and exactly. very important work here. But, yeah, there is this creative energy. Yeah. 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 It, I like that it's a bit more laid back than New York, actually. Mm -hmm. Because New York is very high energy corporate, which is cool because it gives you a lot of energy. The mm -hmm. city, you're suddenly mm -hmm. taken by that energy. Yeah. yeah. But Berlin is a bit more laid back and you can still be creative and still have a lot of options. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, actually, Sophie, I wrote a piece that I wanted to read um, oh, before did you? we get yeah before we get into the whole What's um, it about? Berlin thing. It's yeah. about New York uh, because I feel like we're done with the New York chapter, uh, moving on to the Berlin chapter. I found this because I was thinking about what to it? talk in the topic to in me. the podcast. Yeah, I will read it to you. Okay. I wrote. I didn't edit it. <laughs> Let's see how it comes out. Um, but Your. I just wrote it. Yeah, That's I just great. wrote it a day um, in Vienna after having left New York. It's it's a letter to New York. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I'm excited. Dear New York. Mm -hmm. From the first time I came to you, I felt something in me change. I was young. I was a child, 18 years old. And you opened my eyes to the world, to myself. Wide-eyed, I walked through your streets, took in your lights, looked up at your buildings, got pushed through the streets. And for the first time, between all these people and strangers, I felt myself. It was like I traveled all these miles to meet myself for the first time. So far away from my actual home. You are the city of misfits, the city of artists, the city of the homeless, the city of the countryless, the city of the foreigners. You are unforgiving, you are generous, you are vast, you are full of possibilities, you are open. You are the only city that I can truly say I am in love with. Just you, just New York, your energy, your aura. And leaving you was the hardest thing I ever had to do. That's maybe an exaggeration, but... <laughs> and leaving you was the hardest thing I ever had to do. It was like leaving my dreams, even though I hate you when I'm there. You are dirty, restless, unforgiving, lonely, and depressing. But yet, I have never felt more alive, and I will never feel more alive than with you. Leaving you was like leaving part of myself, like ripping deep into my heart. And coming back as a visitor was painful. My phone wasn't working. No American money. I had to ask people in the subway for direction. They asked me if I was vi visiting, and it was like a stab into my heart. Was I not a New Yorker anymore? Was I ever a New Yorker? If I'm not a New Yorker, then what am I? Sure, I can always come to visit. You won't run away, after all. You're not a person. You're not an old boyfriend. You're a city. But what if you move on? What if you forget about me? What if I won't fit in anymore? What if I don't ever have the courage to return to you? New York, you've given me so much. All I hope is that I've given you something as well, that I've made a small impact in your life, that you will sometimes think of me, that maybe, just maybe, I can return to you one day and it'll be the same, the same love, the same energy, the same power, and better. New York, some memories. 
I sat in acting class with 11 other scared students and for the first time felt that I was actually going to be an actor. I panted like a dog in character class. I rolled on the floor and moved my pelvis in movement class. I played a revolving door. My teachers told me actors do not get sick, so I didn't. I fell in love with a gay man. I went on a date with a guy I met in the park. My neighbor fixed my radiator. We also went on a date. I had the urge to sit next to a homeless person on the street and ask them about their day. I didn't. I arrived at an, at an audition drenched in rain and makeup running down my face. I stood under the arc in Washington Square Park, looking up Fifth Avenue on the Empire State Building and down at the Freedom Tower, thinking, is this really my life? I grew up in this city. I relied on myself. I cried in acting class. I was at a play rehearsal when Donald Trump got elected. I rehearsed in the middle of the night. I yelled at my acting teacher. I even stood in Times Square. <laughs> That's it. That was my little letter to New York. That was I was very dramatic when I read it. But honestly, that's how I felt when I when I, when I wrote it. But I was like, wow. Okay, Bianca, very dramatic there. No, but I really, <laughs> I really felt in your words the sense of the, the attachment, sort of the, the emotional attachment that comes from calling a place home. Yeah. And building up the bonds. And in many ways, a place is the people but I think in this case you really showed that it's the yeah, city in this itself. case it really is the city that's the thing yeah yeah which um which is great and oh makes me want to just jump on a plane and head to New York now <laughs> <laughs> but we all know it's not it's not the same at this point in time <laughs> yeah we will go, can't go to New York at some point yes <laughs> yeah at some point um but thank you for reading that that was really uh, yeah, listening yeah, so that, that's the New York chapter. <laughs> now, so to, now Berlin. to Berlin, to, to the now of Berlin. To the now, mm -hmm. in lockdown. Berlin <laughs> Fucking lockdown. hell. <laughs> also a little bit depressing, Berlin right now. <laughs> very dark. It's very locked down. We're all just waiting for spring to come. Oh, yeah. As soon as yeah. possible, please. Uh, it's funny because you're right. Actually, Berlin also is a bit of a depressing city. Berlin not at all mm. like New York, was not at all love at first sight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I came here in February looking for apartments because I wanted to move here. Mm -hmm. And I just thought to myself, oh, God. And February it's, is a very dark it's, time it's, to be it's in It's very New dark. And the thing about Berlin is that it's so ugly. <laughs> love Berlin. I'm so sorry. No, but, <laughs> it's, but it's not really a beautiful city like New York would be, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it lived through the war, so that's why. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But what's cool about Berlin is within that ugliness. Like, it's not cool as a tourist, I think, but it's cool if you live here and you know the city and the people, mm -hmm. and then you discover the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. um, and the history as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so... But I'm super happy because it's a very free city, and I, again, feel very free, which is not how I feel in Vienna. Um, and is that again, from this sort of international-mindedness or just perhaps because it's a bit new? Both. 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 Very much both. Right. Um, but definitely the vibe of the city. I know that those are the kind of cities that I like, big city yeah. where it's an international, artsy vibe, sort of. Mm. Um, and, and really since I came to Berlin, I was so happy that I 
did take that decision of leaving New York and coming here because it's been great since I came here. Uh, I did a play uh, just when I arrived mm -hmm. um, in the summer, mm -hmm. Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, oh. with an ensemble mix of um, ex-prison inmates and actors, which is, I feel like, a very Berlin thing to do. <laughs> That, honestly, I remember you telling me about this, um, yeah, close to when we, when we first met, and yeah. just... I felt amazed, you know, something like that <laughs> yeah. even happens. Yeah, it's very pretty, I feel like. Uh, so that was great. But then, and this is how the podcast also originated. Yeah. Then I was done with the play. Yeah. And I fell back into that depression. Also, I think that it was also partly me just being so scared of that depression. Mm. Like, I'm so scared of not having anything to do, which is what I basically had for, like, six months in Vienna. Mm -hmm. And that was even before Corona. I was a bit of ahead of the Corona time. <laughs> then nobody had anything else, had anything to do, so then it was fine. But um, I'm so scared of being out of work as an actor mm. because I'm so bad with self-discipline. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. even though I always have a lot of interests and things to do but if I have a job or like work then then I, I'm much more creatively inspired and then I do a million things but if I have nothing mm -hmm. to do I don't do anything like mm -hmm. I have trouble getting up in the morning I feel like a failure because when people mm -hmm. ask me what do you do I'm like I'm an actress but I don't, I'm not working right now I don't know I'm new in Berlin I'm new in the German market mm. And it's not like it was easier in New York, but I did have my friend group there, my mm -hmm. artist friends. Mm -hmm. um, no, I completely get where you're coming yeah. from. Like me, yeah. also having just finished um, the, the very structured internship I was in and now being more free, there is a sense of like, if you're not working, what what are you doing? Like, what is your life? Yeah. Who are you? Um, yeah. And a different conversation for sure, but I do think that our generation and... Um, for the past 50 or so years, people are very much obsessed. Like, their identity is, is attached to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've actually been thinking about that recently also, and I think it's very important that we separate our work from mm. who we are, because, mm -hmm. yes, I'm an actress. But even saying I'm an actress, I think I should say I do acting, <laughs> because it's not who I am, even though especially with acting or mm -hmm. with art, I feel like it becomes so personal. That when you don't yeah. have a job or something, you feel like you're worth nothing. But in the end, I'm Bianca, who mm -hmm. is doing acting, who chose that she you wants to do that. Bianca. But I'm also many things. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> just an actress. Yeah. Um, but easier said than done because, yeah, I was, again, really scared of falling into that hole mm. of not having, having anything to do. And I remember, mm -hmm. I think it was a Monday, and I got up. I didn't have work to do. <laughs> felt like everybody was going to work and I didn't. And uh, I went for a run, but I didn't have the energy to go for a run. You know, when you're like depressed, then you can't really mm. um, yeah, the, go the for life a run. Force Even the life force is just, not, it's not there. Yeah. yeah. So I forced myself to go out, tried to go for a run. And then I just broke down in the park, sat down on the park bench and, and yeah, started crying and then wow. this man walked past me and mm -hmm. he stopped in front of me but he didn't look at me he was in his own world and he started 
freaking out, screaming and just freaking out. Oh my goodness. And it was just so funny to me because I was like, that is literally a projection of what's going on in my head right now. <laughs> I was like, I feel you, man. I just you probably don't have a job either. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's quite a Berlin occurrence, I think, for just people yeah. to start screaming <laughs> on the street. Yeah. <laughs> and it was sort of a release. And then what I did was I called a friend of mine. Um, shout out to Staniel. <laughs> I'm going to have him on this podcast eventually. Uh, he uh, is, is actually also grew up in New York and I met him here in Berlin. So I didn't know him that well, but we connected. Um, and he's also an artist, actor, model. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, for some reason, felt like calling him. Um, and I, yeah. I called him and I was just like, hey... Um, I'm going through some things, <laughs> don't know what to do, uh, do you want to meet up? Because I just felt like he was um, an artist who had a lot of strength in him, mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to him. And mm -hmm. we met up, and even some other friends joined, artist friends that I had met in Berlin. And we all sat in a group, and I, in the beginning, told Daniel about my issues and my worries and being scared. Mm -hmm. And he sort of opened it up to the group, which I was like, yo, dude... <laughs> Don't tell everybody. Like that was, he was like, guys, so Bianca's What do we do? Yeah. <laughs> um, right. But it was great because mm -hmm. then everybody was so sweet and they're all artists and they all talked about how what they do going through yeah. this because everybody knows this feeling. Not even just artists. Everybody does. Everybody, yeah. Um, We're all humans. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... And it just felt great to, first of all, open up because mm -hmm. I think it's scary to say... I mean, we don't want other people to know that we're sad, and also we don't want mm -hmm. them to know that we're like not working or our career Which is isn't working out. Which is such a paradox, out. right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because yeah. as soon as you say it, like as you just described, then it's, it's better. Like this button yeah. is like lifted yeah. in a way. And mainly, it's it's you who judge yourself the most in mm -hmm. the end. Everybody's very worried about themselves. Mm -hmm. um, it's you who judge yourself the most if you don't have a job or something. It's not like everybody in this world right now thinks Bianca doesn't have a job she's a failure <laughs> uh so yeah completely. and then and that's how the podcast idea was born because then I felt yeah. inspired about talking to all these people yeah and I thought I want to do that I like talking to people mm -hmm. uh I like listening to podcasts and mm -hmm. I want to start one where I can talk to people and ask them about exactly that their uh struggles um how they keep up their mental strength, mm -hmm. how they keep following their dreams, mm -hmm. where you take that inner strength from. In the end, it can only come from you. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just what I'm interested in, to hear. So that's what the podcast is going to be about. Interviewing different very artists. Exciting. And, and, and also a very potent time, I think, to be approaching this topic right now when we will... Yeah, Same because, home. yes, oh, I mean, yeah, of course, with the pandemic, it's so much more relevant, because mm -hmm. not even my situation, to be honest, because I, I was in the situation even before the pandemic, but all artists are in the situation now, which at least we're in it together. Yeah. And I think there yeah. are going to be better times, again, for yeah. art. Um, yeah, oh, for sure. 
I would just have to wait it out and soon and artists adjust. Yeah. I think yeah. the main thing about being an artist is it's not about what like what work you do sort of, but it's a way of living, of adjusting, of being aware of your times, of mm. being finding your creativity mm -hmm. in the, in all times. Yeah. And using it as inspiration. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I'm really excited to start this podcast. Thank you for doing the intro episode with me. No, uh, so I've, I could share a bit of my a, story. <laughs> had such a great time. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, and actually, to end and close up this episode, I have a piece um, also that I'd like to share. A short paragraph. so many pieces. <laughs> you <Yes>, know. <laughs> so this is uh, from a book that I read relatively recently in the past six months. Um, and it's called Letters to a Young Poet by Rainer Maria Rilke, who uh, was a um, very famous author, poet, um, German poet. Um, and so this, the just quick context, is uh, a part of a letter that he wrote to a, an aspiring young poet. And I thought it's very fitting. So, if you hold close to nature, to what is simple in it, to the small things people hardly see, and which all of a sudden can become great and immeasurable, if you have this love for what is slight, and quite unassumingly, as a servant, seek to win the confidence of what seems poor, then everything will grow easier, more unified and somehow more conciliatory. Not perhaps in the intellect, which amazed remains a step behind, but in your deepest consciousness, watchfulness and knowledge. You are so young, all still lies ahead of you, and I should like to ask you as best as I can, dear sir, to be patient towards all that is unresolved in your heart and to try to love the questions themselves, like blocked rooms, like books written in a foreign tongue. Do not strive to uncover answers. They cannot be given to you because you have not been able to live them. And what matters is to live everything. Live the questions for now. Perhaps then you'll gradually, without noticing it, live your way into the answer one distant day in the future. Perhaps you do carry within yourself the possibility of forming and creating as a particularly happy and pure way of living. School yourself for it, but take what comes in complete trust. And as long as it is a product of your will, of some kind of inner necessity, accept it and do not despise it. That's it. I love it. Beautiful. That's a great way to end the podcast and very fitting to what we just talked about. Yeah. especially in quarantine times. Appreciate Absolutely. the little things. All of the little the questions. things. I love that. And staying true to possibility. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie, for doing this. Thank you, everybody else, for listening to my first episode. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to my first podcast episode. I hope you liked my stories. Please also follow me on Instagram at giveuporgetup and on Spotify or any other channels of your choosing wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell your friends, share some of your own stories. Feel free to message me with that or with any other feedback. It's greatly appreciated. 
Next week on Give Up or Get Up, I am introducing you to a real pioneer of the art world. It's Anna Clara Brixt, the founder of Europe's biggest casting platform. And she tells us how she came to be successful despite of many obstacles and many no's. So tune in next Tuesday for the second episode of Give Up or Get Up to hear some of Anna Clara's strategies. Thank you.